Hello and welcome everyone to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. I am your unfortunately very ill host, Cape Joel. Thank you everyone for joining got, us you, today. You got the McGregor syndrome. I got the McGregors and I got it bad, man. You know, it's funny, I laughed. Obviously, this is our big post-New York Comic Con show, so I couldn't have canceled even if I wanted to, because this is like, you know, <laughs> one of the biggest news seasons we do. And to really top it off, you know, everyone I knew and everyone I liked was at New York Comic Con, it felt like. I could only watch from Twitter, and yet somehow, even without going, I got the fucking con flu. Yeah, the con aids. Yeah, I got them con aids, man. I gotta watch out for that. You got the con aids, and you got the con air. You got it all, <laughs> man. Ugh. Could be worse, though. I could have been stuck waiting in line for some Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce and gotten stabbed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's some crazy shit, man. Oversource. Over Oversauce, man. You know, if you ever needed any indication that we are in the end times, that, you know, the world is not horribly <laughs> fucked up, that, you know, every day, you know, a new different horseman of the apocalypse is hitching up, people are like, no, 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 what I really need, what will really make this is if I can get some limited edition sauce. Some limited edition shorts. So much, though, that there's, like, police choppers monitoring situations at McDonald's <laughs> around America. Look, the only way that you could justify stabbing someone at a McDonald's for sauce is if you really wanted to get some for Joel and to send it to him in Canada because they don't have that promotion here. <laughs> no. Once, once again, Matt, Canada and Australia get fucked over when it comes to stuff like that. <laughs> What's really ridiculous is you just know when they eventually do that live-action Mulan movie, which is coming, which is, like, in the chamber, they're just going to bring it back anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I think they even said, like, they're going to bring back, bring it back, like, in the winter or something. Yeah. So it's, like, it's not going to be going away or anything. It's and gonna... it never did anyway. You can just go and, like, buy it online. It's going to be, like, like, the new McRib is what it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Which, I don't even eat the McRib. Honestly, I've always looked at the McRib, and I'm like, no, that actually looks kind of nasty. We don't even get it here. Wow. See, to me, I think, I've never had a McRib, and people in the comment section, please tell me. It's the sauce, right? It's the sauce that makes it. That's why everyone is in love with it, because it's a delicious sauce. Probably. I think it has to be. It's got to be the sauce, man. So, yeah, as I mentioned, post-New York Comic Con show, I've been sick. What have you been doing, Matt? What have you been up to? Um, I've been, uh, when I'm not doing comic reviews, I've been playing video games. I've been playing Divinity 2 on oh, PC. Yes. Everyone's in love with that one right now. That one is the one yeah. that has, like, the freaking D&D mode. Yeah, yeah, it's got a really cool D&D mode. It's got, like, split-screen co-op and just, like, stuff you never find in games anymore. It's true, and, yeah. And I, I didn't even know they were bringing out a second one, so when I saw it on Steam, I decided I had some spare money, so I bought it, and mm. it's amazing. The, the, the little details they've been putting into this game are amazing. And Divinity, that's part of, like, a big, big, long series, because I remember everyone was losing their minds about, like, Divinity Dragon Commander, where it's like, oh, man, you get to be a dragon and command shit. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a big long line. They, they, I think they even offered, like, a pack where you could get all the previous games along with the new one. Oh, that's pretty good. It's nice to see them succeed. Yeah. It's nice to see a cool, hardcore RPG people really seem to enjoy and be into it. And plus, hey, I'm really interested in that, like, D&D mode. I'm like, oh, that's something to play around with, isn't it? It looks really cool. I saw, like, a like a promo video they did for it. It looks really interesting. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess with that, we've got a mountain of news to talk about. Although, I will say this for this, like, New York Comic Con, there's a lot of news, but not near as much news as I thought. No, no, I definitely thought there was going to be more, especially more movie news and more TV show news, but really there wasn't. Yeah, to, like, contrast and compare it to years past, this was kind of a light one, all things considered. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Still not to say there wasn't a lot to offer, but it's just like, yeah, I think you guys can do better. In fact, I think you have done better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess we'll start with the biggest piece, or at least assumedly the biggest piece, the one that kind of dropped today. Uh, we got a brand new Justice League trailer. We did, and it looks like fun yeah. for once. Yeah, it's... It looks okay, it looks fun, it looks, you know, colorful and hopeful. Although I'm forced to raise an eyebrow, and I'm sure you would agree with me too, Matt, on this, where it's like, okay, where does the Snyder stuff stop and the Whedon stuff begins? Because I'm really afraid this is going to come off like some sort of schizophrenic Franken movie. Yeah, that that's kind of the problem. We don't know what Snyder's and what's Whedon's, whether Whedon like actually reshot some of Snyder's stuff or yeah, it, it's kind of hard to tell. They, there is some stuff in there that you can say, oh, that's definitely like a Joss Whedon shot, or that's definitely something Zack Snyder did. Yeah. You can kind of tell, and hope the movie doesn't come off like that. Yeah, that would. Uh, I really do want to be playing, you know, watch the cuts, right? Mm-hmm. That would mm-hmm. really take me out of the movie. Also, too, you know, we're seeing, like, the big fight from the end of the movie and everything that they showed in the other previous trailer. It's like, ooh, Ooh, I'm getting some really bad flashbacks to the end of, like, Wonder Woman and, like, the end of X-Men Apocalypse, where it's like, oh, oh, nothing's real here. Oh, this looks like a giant video game. Yeah, it it really does. It's like, just everything looks fake. Even the sky, because they've made it, like, red. Yeah, I'm just it like, It just looks so no. fake. And whenever I see red skies like that, I instantly think, like, the latter seasons of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, when they got all stylized and the skies got all red for no reason. <laughs> that's where my mind instantly goes but yeah i mean you know ezra miller i think continues to kind of be the mvp here i mean they've made him into a i mean they made barry allen into a bit of a buffoonish clown but hey you know you kind of need that yeah yeah you kind of do need that and i i like that little part at the end where he's like oh that that's that that's your thing that 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 was kind of funny that was good Man, Aquaman's gotten a bit of a makeover, hasn't he? From like, you know, whoa, swinging Jack, angry to, yeah, parademons. And I'm like, oh, is, is Aquaman the Hulk now? Is that the thing? They've made Aquaman into the Hulk of the team? Yeah, they, there's kind of a bit, especially when you see that, that first trailer, how it was all dark and gritty in that yeah. small fishing town, and he was standing off with Batman, and now he's he's, he's saying, my man, and, and tackling parademons and everything. I'm like, oh, someone got a substantial rewrite, didn't they? <laughs> It's it's a long, uh, lo- long, long ride from, oh, he comes in on the king tide and he brought us fish. Yeah! <laughs> oh, someone got rejiggered in editing, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> also, too, hey, Wonder Woman getting another really big focus, too. They clearly know mm-hmm. where their bread is buttered. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, she's probably going to be a big part of this movie. Which, hey, more power to her. She had the best movie, so she should take most of the screen time because she's the character I'm the most invested in. In fact, she might be the only character I'm invested in. Yeah, she's the, yeah, she's the only one who's actually had a character arc. So. Yeah, which, which is hilarious because they opened the trailer with Lois, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Lois is in these movies, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, she is pretty forgetful. 
She's really forgettable. Even though she was a huge focal point of Batman v Superman, she's like, oh, I'm actually working to clear Superman's name, like in the theatrical cut, because Superman doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I actually like that that little scene she had with Clark, because it, it was kind of a total opposite of that Doomsday reveal from the Batman v Superman. You think yeah. that that's, oh, it's going to spoil a part of the movie, and then they, they kind of, like... Turn it on its head and say, oh, it's all a dream. I kind of wish they left that, in, left that for the movie, though. Same. It's and then a, that would be the opening of the movie or something. It's it's really cute, though, that they still seem to think we don't think Superman is coming back and that they're going to have a Justice League movie without Superman. That's adorable, you think, that DC and Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, how he's not in any of the marketing or anything. He's, oh, no, he's dead. He's, he's really dead. He's gone, guys. guys. He's, he's really gone, we promise. We swear, pinky swear, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> you can't break a pinky swear. <laughs> also, too, you know, we're, they're definitely focusing on the heroes, which is a nice change of pace. Usually, <clears throat> for DC and Warner Brothers, they really get big hard-ons for their villain and everything. Like, oh, look at this cool villain, and look what interesting actor we've gotten to play the villain. It's it's the Heath Ledger syndrome, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. We actually have we we've heard like like a couple of lines from Steppenwolf and that's about it. We haven't yeah. like properly seen him. And I'm wondering if maybe it's because the, in the trailer, his CGI on the character didn't look too good. And I'm wondering if maybe that's why they're not showing him off. It's he's probably, he's a probably not done yet. And B, they're probably taking a page from the Marvel playbook and he probably won't be that important. He will be nah. the thing that they have to overcome, but the real drama and the real arc of the movie will be, Oh, can the justice league work together? Yeah, and it's Stephen Wolf. Who, who gives a shit about Stephen Wolf? Dude, I'm a huge DC fan. I love the new gods, and I don't give a fuck about yeah. Stephen Wolf. Yeah, what what a character to, to, for your first Justice League movie. I mean, if like literally, if comic fans don't give a fuck about your villain, why should regular people give a fuck about your villain? <laughs> but again, I don't think he's going to be the focal point. No, no. No, he's, he's just going to be a thing that needs to be overcome. But yeah, so that's the Justice League trailer. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, as I've said many times before with DC and Warner Brothers movies, it's like your trailers always look good. The people cutting your trailers yeah. do a very good job. I will reserve judgment until my butt's in the seat and until the credits roll. Yeah, definitely. you got to be wary of their trailers. Yeah. Well, Wonder Woman lived up to it. Good job. That's one. That's one in your favor. you got to bank like two or three of those before I start believing the trailer. <laughs> <coughs> All right, then. So I guess from Justice League news to a rather hilarious Marvel Comics blunder uh, this week. Uh, <laughs> one of the bigger stories coming out of New York Comic Con is obviously after the very tragic uh, Las Vegas shooting, which which made me laugh. Well, not laugh, but uh, in our previous oh. Yeah, I'm a monster. I'm sorry. In our previous <laughs> episode, Matt and I were talking about Nightwing the New Order, and we made like a joke about how like that comic draws a parallel between the gun control debate in the United States and the superpower debate within the world of the comics. And Matt and I went on a big long spiel and I'm like, oh man, oh, we recorded that like early Sunday before that happened. I hope this joke doesn't come off as too soon. Yeah, it was like hours before that happened. It was, it was literally hours. Man, boy, boy, did I feel red there for a second. But uh, what I'm trying to get at here is that, you know, uh, Marvel, Netflix was like, oh, you know what? After this tragedy, probably not a good idea to have a big Punisher panel. Might be in bad taste to celebrate a crazy dude who goes around shooting people with high-powered machine guns. 
friends. Yeah, good good on them for doing that, though. It, it makes sense. It only makes sense. Some people were very mad. It was like, no, it's it it fantasy versus reality. I want my thing, and I want it now, and I want my Szechuan sauce. And it's, yeah, like, it's yeah. like, no, guys, come on. Just, like, be be respectful here just for a minute. You'll get it eventually. So you can imagine how ridiculous it seemed and how just what a facepalm-worthy moment it is when at the very same con it was announced that Marvel Comics would be teaming with Northrop, uh, Northrop Grunman for a uh, special one-shot comic. Uh, I'm sure if you're anything like me, you have no fucking clue who Northrop is. I didn't. When I read the name, I thought it was a clothing company. I thought it was like a Nordstrom yep. thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, they teamed with a clothing company? That sounds lame, I probably won't read it. Oh, little did I know, it was lamer than I could possibly imagine. Uh, Northrop Grunman are a defense contractor. They make <laughs> arms for the military. In fact, they're the fifth largest military contractor in the world. They are literal ironmongers. They are, <laughs> they are war profiteers. So Punisher bad, war profiteer good. Yeah, well, well, I think they actually cancelled the deal with that after, like, everyone's like, hey, this, this ain't cool, this ain't cool. Everyone in the world started yelling at them, even their own writers started taking pot shots at them. Uh, Jerry Conway, the dude who invented the yep. Punisher, even he's kind of like, dudes, this is in really shitty taste. <laughs> and it's like, wait, guys, isn't one of your flagship characters Iron Man, a reformed arms manufacturer who decided he no longer wanted to contribute to global death and misery? <laughs> <laughs> and many people, I'm sure, were quick to say, no, you know, Northrop Grumman, they, they make planes, not guns. Yeah, planes that drop bombs that are way more destructive <laughs> than any gun. Arms is more than just guns, everybody. <laughs> Sends a really shitty message. But hey, you know what? At least they're not totally tone deaf over at Marvel, because after getting yelled at, they're like, okay, the, the event at New York Comic Con is canceled. We won't say why, but it's yeah. canceled. Yeah, they, they, they did say that they, they kind of meant that they were they were pairing with the aerospace department mm. a little bit. but And I think they even said that they could have worded it a bit better uh, than what they yeah. did. Casada said that at his Cup of Joe panel. He's like, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate that people misconstrued that the way they did because, you know, we really wanted to make it about, like, you know, uh, aerospace and science and everything. It's like, yeah, should have worded that better. And also... Maybe don't join forces with a defense contractor. Maybe, I don't know, join forces with NASA or, you know, a company that yeah. probably doesn't have as much money. Because let's face it, that's probably why they did the deal. Oh, fuck, you, you need a good image repair? Oh, well, shit, we got all these beloved superheroes. Do you got money? We like money. <laughs> we'll fucking do it. Uh, yeah, that was just... That, that was an ugly couple of hours, and I think more than anything, this shows us perfectly one of Marvel's biggest problems right now, and that is all their different divisions, all their different fingers couldn't be pulling in more different directions, where you have the TV Netflix department who are like, oh, well, we need to show respect. And then you have, like, this comic promotion arm being like, fucking arms manufacturers, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not talking. No, no one is talking, no one is driving the ship, but at least, you know, at least they listened to reason after everybody yelled at them. Yeah. That's all it took. All it took was everybody yelling at them. <laughs> uh, so, uh, over to some DC comic news here. Uh, apparently, Young Animal had quite a showing at the con this year, and they announced a series of crossovers that are going to be taking place with their books. Cr crossovers that when I was talking to people about it, they're like, you're, you're fucking with me, aren't you? You're, no. you're trolling. You're doing a classic Matt troll. No, 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 no. These are all very real. It's part of a bigger <laughs> event called Milk War. 
<laughs> which is clearly young animal just taking the piss uh, out of event names. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you got the secret war, you got the secret invasion, you got the infinite crisis. Well, we got the uh, the milk war. <laughs> we're gonna introduce a new character called the Milkman. You know, we're gonna have the Justice League team up with uh, friggin' uh, was we're gonna have Cape Carson team up with Swamp Thing. We're gonna have Mother Panic team up with Batman. We got the Justice League and the Doom Patrol. It's gonna be great. Yeah, it, it actually sounds pretty great as well because they build uh, Milkman Man as a uh, anti-monitor level threat. <laughs> oh, gotta watch out for the Milkman and also don't say his name three times or he shows up. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's that's a really clever idea. I, I've admittedly dropped off on Young Animal, but I like this idea that they're going to have more crossover and more interplay with the main universe. Yeah, well, it sounds like you, you don't wouldn't have had to have read. The, their books to understand what's going on in this event, and I'm more than happy to read it as well. Yeah, it's a good way to get people in. I'm uh, I'm interested in this. I'm glad DC has created a little arm of their publishing line that can just be fucking weird and experimental and out there. Yeah. And in fact, we'll be talking about more weird experimental DC stuff and new imprints later on in the show, so stick around. <laughs> this is where Joel would put an ad break when he makes ad breaks later. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm doing this now. I need to pay the rent. <laughs> and gotta pay Matt. But uh, hey, from there to another big movie trailer. Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. We got to see some of that at the con. Yeah, looks pretty cool. It does look cool. It's funny. Like, people were, you know, really, really invested in Pacific Rim and really waiting and hoping for, you know, some news to actually break out of this and something that they could hear and something real and concrete. For me, it was just like, look, I'll believe it when I see the trailer. And I saw the trailer, and now I believe it. <laughs> I, saw, I saw people... A lot of people are mad, mainly because Guillermo del Toro isn't coming back, uh... and because apparently the movie doesn't look like his vision. I'm like, well... It looks different because it's all taking place during the day, whereas mm. his movie all took place during the yeah. night, in rain. Yeah. Also, I like Del Toro too, but here's the thing: if Del Toro was still involved, the movie wouldn't have been made at all. Oh no, it'd be coming out in like 2030 or something. Yeah. You, you would get Pacific Rim Uprising right around the same time you got Hellboy uh, three and At the Mountains of Madness and like the yeah. the, the Hulk TV series and the million <laughs> other projects that Del Toro has been attached to but never actually made. Yeah, I like him too. His new one looks fun and interesting. I'm just saying it was either this or literally nothing. Yeah. And I mean, hey, you know, we got a cool new series of redesigned Jaegers. They look even more Power Rangers this time. Yeah, they, they all look really cool. Yeah. Got John Boyega in there as the lead man. That guy gets around now. His agent must kick ass. He's in all the new genre yeah. movies. He is. He's, he's making bank. <laughs> I'm Star Wars. I'm Black Panther. Oh, yeah, I'm Jaegers, too. Guess what? I'm everything. <laughs> is he in Black Panther? Yeah, I think he is. I don't think they've is... announced his part yet, but yeah, he is going to be in that. Oh, I'm actually wearing a Black Panther shirt right now. Nice. You see, see the way we film the show, people is uh, Matt can see me, he can, uh, I can see him, but not the other way around. <laughs> so now you just got a little insight into what we're doing. Actually, it's funny. Last week, someone pointed out <laughs> both Joel and Matt wore blue Superman-ish shirts, and it's like, oh shit, yeah, so we did. <laughs> we don't coordinate. No, we really don't. I don't call him like five minutes before and be like, okay, man, what, what, what are you wearing? We got to get our costumes in order. <laughs> We can't show up wearing the same shirt or else we'll look like dicks. <laughs> Although if we both had comic multiverse shirts, then that would be fine. 
That would be. In fact, we should start doing that. I, sh- I should go order one of our shirts and then reimburse myself the money. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got one, so I just don't know where it is. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, okay. Let's let's do that then. Let's start showing off our merch. You know, let's actually, you know, wear it on stage. <laughs> but yeah, Pacific Rim looks kind of cool. Looks kind of interesting. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be rushing out to see it or anything, but it's just kind of like, oh, hey, that actually exists now. That's not just a figment of my imagination. Yeah, it, look, it looks pretty cool. It's made by the guy who made the first season of Daredevil. Oh, awesome. Stephen Stephen DeKnight. Yeah, yeah, okay. That gives me another reason to be excited. Uh, another yeah. thing that's going to be exciting people, again, coming from DC Comics, apparently they have big plans to relaunch Vertigo in 2018. Yeah, they, they're kind of doing like, like soft reboots of it now, yeah. and I think they've got some miniseries coming out. They do. Uh, f- from it, but yeah, they I guess doing a, a hard reboot on it. Yeah, I guess they well, figure... Like, you're bringing it back somehow? Yeah, I guess they figure, like, hey, all that money's on the table. We should totally do something with it. Yeah, and we got Sandman coming back in the main DC universe, so That's yeah. That's right. Now is the time for it, right? Now is the time for Vertigo. Yeah. Tim Seeley's going to be writing a big new Vertigo thing for them. Yeah, they're definitely getting interested in the other arms of their company, which I like. Yeah, they, they, they're full-on into um, Wildstorm at the moment. They've just... Yes. Just started another Wildstorm series this week or last week or something. Mm, that's right. It was in all the comics in the back. Yeah. Like, I know for some of our younger listeners out there who exist, Vertigo was, like, a big name in comics for a little bit. Like, it was a force to be reckoned with when they had Hellblazer and Sandman and all that other stuff. Yeah, they were, they were the magical department, basically. Shit, even the original Fables, even, not going that long back, Bill Willingham and shit, like, that was a big deal. Yeah, I wonder if that'll come back. Oh, well, again, they'd probably have to track down Bill Willingham. I think he's done with it, but that's still not to say they wouldn't do, like, a bunch of spinoffs focusing on all the other characters. Yeah. I'm sure they see the success of Once Upon a Time, and they're like, oh, fuck, the show that ripped us off. Look how good it's doing. It's like in its ninth <laughs> season. Shit. <laughs> Which, yes, everyone, that's a very interesting story, the story of Fables and Once Upon a Time, where the network wanted to make a Fables show. Then they're like, eh, nah, this is too expensive and we don't want to work with Willingham. We'll just literally do the same idea, but change it just enough so we don't have to pay anybody. Just a little bit. It's legally distinct. (laughs) You can't sue us. (laughs) Uh, now, from an interesting relaunch to a kind of rebirth of a project that uh, Matt and I have been kind of chuckling at from afar for a long time now. Apparently, the Gambit movie with Channing Tatum is still happening, and they've nabbed Gore Verbinski for it. Uh, Gore Verbinski, he's like the low-budget Del Toro. Like, he's literally, he, he's like he a couple come... st- steps above, like, a Ratner. <laughs> Yeah, he like just comes in and just like makes the most generic movies. I did, however, like that new movie he made, The Cure for Wellness. I, I actually really oh, enjoyed yes. that. Yeah, that was a fun uh, one. That was like a one-off though, because he's made every other movie's been like big, loud blockbuster film that's been pretty like generic. Yeah, I mean, like he he strikes me again. I made the Brett Ratner con- uh, uh, comparison before. He strikes me as like the thinking man's uh, Ratner being like, you know, I'm a total cinematic mercenary. I'll get the film done on time and on budget. Cinematic mercenary. That's a good word. Yeah, you can put that on your business card. Matt, cinematic mercenary. <laughs> no job is too dirty for him. What? Gamut's lost two, uh, what is it, two directors already? Don't worry. Gore's got this. <laughs> the, the big V's coming on down. He's going to sort this shit out. 
The big V. The big V, which is on his business card. Oh, uh, he also made Rango. I liked Rango. Yeah, yeah, Rango was pretty good. He also made some of the shittier Pirates movies and the good mm-hmm. Pirates movie. And uh, what else did he do? Oh, he also made the shitty Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. Again, really generic action blockbuster. Yeah. It's, uh, hey, it's it's his niche. It's the thing he does. And I'm sure he makes a lot of money. <laughs> oh, shit, he directed The Ring, too. The Ring 2 or The Ring? The the Ring, yeah. The original The Ring. The good The Ring. <laughs> so you, you mean the American ripoff of the Japanese movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it's like, well, did he really do that much work or did he just take a formula that worked really well for Japanese audiences and made the PG-13 version for North America? <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, when I saw The Ring, it did freak the fuck out of me. Like, it's probably one of the very few PG-13 movies where it's like, wow, that was genuinely scary. Is unsettling. It's very unsettling, because again, most, like, North Americans, we weren't used to, like, Japanese horror conventions. It was just like, holy shit, this is new and different. Mm-hmm. And now, now we have rings. Yeah, rings, <laughs> which was shelved for a couple years. First you watch it, now you die. Yeah, really, oh no. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. That's always a thing. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's Gore Verbinski. Maybe he'll he'll finally be the one to crack this Gambit script, to finally crack, you know, the cinematic opus of our generation. Yes, uh, the, the Oscar bait movie of the year. Yes, really. What, what deep and compelling tales of Gambit can be told? <laughs> I don't know, man. They're just like, look, we know people like this Gambit guy. We know we need to keep making X-Men movies if we want to hold on to the rights to it. So I guess we need to make this project, even though two directors have walked off already. (laughs) It's like, Christ, if you can't... It's like, Gambit should be so easy. We've said it a million times. Do Ocean's Eleven, but with people with mutant powers. Exactly. I don't know, like, what exactly they're doing it that's, like, making all these directors say, fuck this, I'm leaving. Yeah. Like, whether they want it to... Maybe they want it to be like their new Wolverine. Like, well, well, we don't have a Wolverine anymore. We need a new young, hip character mm. that people will like. Oh, Gambit kind of does that. Yeah, why not? We'll, we'll go for it. And Channing Tatum, he's our man. <laughs> he keeps saying it's happening. It's happening. And I like Channing Tatum. I'm probably one of the few people in the world who will say I actually like Channing Tatum. I like him, yeah. I like him as a comedy actor. He's really good in those 21 and 22 Jump Street movies. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty good in Magic Mike when he is essentially just playing himself because that movie is like based on his life as a struggling actor who had to strip on the side. <laughs> like, I don't know, does he see a lot of himself in Gambit? M- maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I like to wear head socks too. <laughs> Gambit has a weird style of speaking and so do I. <laughs> I see a lot of myself in this character. I'm sure Channing Tatum's like, look, man, I fucking learned all these card tricks and everything. I spent a bunch of money out of my own pocket. We're making the goddamn movie. <laughs> no one can tell me no. And somewhere Taylor Kitcher's like, can I, can I do it? They told me I would be Gambit. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Taylor. It's, it's a bitch being kitsch. I apologize. <laughs> You can you can go home now, <laughs> which 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 I think he did go home. Taylor Kitsch, because we didn't see him in anything like until like friggin' what was it? True Detective season two. Yeah, yeah. You know, apparently that's actually coming back for a season three soon. Uh, True Detective three. Really? That I like those seasons. They were pretty good. I I liked it too. 
I like the first one much more than the second one. Yeah. But I think most people would agree on that one. Although 2 did have probably one of the best shootout scenes I've seen on TV in a long time. Yep. Had a really had a really great gunfight. If you watch nothing else, check out that very visceral, very like almost horror movie gunfight. Uh, actually, you know, I was going to save this to the end, but you know, I'll just bring it up now because it is tangentially connected. Uh, Gambit and Rogue are actually going to be getting their own comic series now. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about about Gambit. Like he he's kind of appeared here and there in X Men Gold and Blue, I think, and he hasn't really appeared in anything else, but. I guess this is why he's getting yeah. his own series. He's, he's getting his, he's getting a series now because he's getting a movie. So they really need to like try and sure up his numbers. He'd be like, no, 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 Gambit is important again because he has a movie coming out. <laughs> Which hilariously, they're doing that with Venom too. Venom apparently is going to keep going and showing up in like a bunch of different books now. Yeah, well, he did, didn't he just have, like, a big event or something just happen? Uh, Venomverse, which is still going on. Then we got Venom, Inc. Then apparently he's going to have a crossover with the X-Men, too, after he crosses what? over with Spider-Man. <laughs> why, why are they trying to make him a big thing? They're trying to make Venom a huge thing now. And Eddie Brock Venom, in particular, is just going to be showing up in everything now. This 2017 of Marvel is going to be the year of Venom. <laughs> They care so much about him. Like, I picked up, like, what was it, Venom 155, and it's like, oh, look, they changed him back to his old look. Again, probably because of the movie. <laughs> so he needs to be, like, all, you know, like, all teeth and big, like, uh, alien xenomorph tongue. Yeah. So there's that. I picked that up in Iron Fist. I haven't read those yet because it's been such a huge week. No. Oh, Iron Fist. Is it still being written by that guy who was writing the series before? Ed Bresson? You mean the guy who's writing, like, five things at Marvel now? If it's not Ed Bresson, it's Matthew Rosenberg. <laughs> you know, Bresson's Canadian, so I feel bad shitting on him, but it's just like, wow, you, instead of writing one book really good, you write, like, five books adequately. <laughs> it's just a numbers game with you, isn't it, man? <laughs> No, no one's really raving about your books, huh? But they still get getting printed, and you keep getting a paycheck. So good on you, man. <laughs> I, I, I hope they pay you in the American money like they pay me, so it converts to more. <laughs> I, I hope you've worked out that deal. I'll do it, but only if I get paid in American money. <laughs> and, and FYI, people looking to hire me for bar mitzvahs or personal appearances or anything else—that's also in my rider. Pay me in American money. <laughs> Not not these frozen pesos I have here. Frozen pesos. Ah, Canada, land of maple syrup, mooseback rides, and the frozen peso. <laughs> Canadians are so nice, and TVs are 25 cents, eh? And you get milk in bags. You get milk in bags. I love that that freaks people out, milk in bags, that like that just blows their mind. Like, who? who what crazy land drinks milk in bags? <laughs> Or what is it? T today, as I record, this is actually Canadian Thanksgiving, and they're like, man, you guys are so smart giving yourselves like a three-day weekend for Thanksgiving. I'm like, dude, some days it's four. If it falls on a <laughs> Thursday, no one fucking goes into work on Thursday. <laughs> <coughs> so it's pretty great. But yeah, so that's Gambit, everybody. Yeah, the movie everyone's waiting for. Everybody's waiting. Uh, man, it would it be hilarious if it comes out and it's great in like a year and you and I have to eat our words for all the shit we talked about it? I would hope it is. Yeah, I mean, after all the work and effort they've seemingly put into it to try and crack the code. <laughs> I hope it's amazing. <gasps> yeah. Ugh, sorry, everyone, my illness is acting up. Uh, 
from there actually to a piece of news that uh, <coughs> has been long in development, long followed by the comic multiverse. And in fact, this is a big development in this story, but it's still not done. Uh, new milestone imprint officially announced by Jeff Johns at New York. Yeah. Island. Yeah, so I wonder if this will be cancelled soon because because he he didn't he forgot about the the lawsuit. The lawsuit. Nor did they mention the lawsuit. And here's the thing: I'm sure people think, well, oh, well, if he didn't mention the lawsuit, it must mean it's off. No, legally, your lawyers tell you to not talk about lawsuits that are ongoing. Yeah. yeah. And if it was cancelled, they'd have just said it was cancelled, but they mm-hmm. didn't. Which makes me think litigation is still happening. And furthermore, you'll notice of all the new books they've announced in this new Milestone imprint, you're getting Static. Obviously, that was the one everybody wanted. It was the one I wanted the most. If you weren't going to have Static, there was no point in doing it. Yeah. Icon and Rocket, who are going to be uh, leading what is essentially a like uh, like two Milestone, what Action Comics is to Superman. Where mm-hmm. it's like, it'll be about everyone, it'll be about the Milestone universe, but it will star these two. Again, perfect, that's the ones you would want, because, you know, it's basically their Superman mm-hmm. and sidekick. Why wouldn't you want them? They did great on Young Justice. And then a bunch of original series. <laughs> that makes me wonder, is there some weird, like, legal loophole where it's like, look, we own Icon and we own Static. We don't own anything else, though. Yeah, but we can make stuff in this universe, so we'll just yeah. make a whole heap of other characters. Exactly. It's like everything is new. And again, some of these ideas sound pretty interesting. There's the Love Army. Uh, what is that? There's one getting pitched by Greg Rucka where it's like, you know, a couple who fight crime and inhabit the same body. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like, that's very interesting to me. Okay, so only Static and only Icon, and then a bunch of brand new creator-owned stuff. Is this is this one of those situations where the name Milestone was more inter- or, you know, was of more interest to you than anything else? Where it's like, look, we only want the two characters we know people want, but we're not going to give them a book in the main universe, and then we're going to use this as like a playground for everyone else to have new ideas. It sounds like it, but it, it's at the same time it's really weird because this is coming just as they're just starting up the Dark Universe, which is again one of their own original playgrounds. So yes. like, it's so strange. Very artist heavy, and in fact, they're not calling it the Dark Matter Universe anymore. They're calling it like Age of Heroes or something now. Yeah, the DC Age of Heroes or something. Which I'm sure was them thinking like, yeah, Dark Matter maybe sounds a little too harsh. You know, maybe we should, you know, tone it down a little bit, make it sound a little less edgy. And also, too, yeah. it's like Age of Heroes. Okay, I know what that means. Dark Matter Universe. What the, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I think they're trying to future-proof it. Like, obviously, now we're like, oh, yeah, the Dark Matter Universe, like from Dark Knight's Metal, the thing that was the flip side and everything. I guess they're thinking like, well, yeah, maybe in five or six years when we're on to the next big event, maybe no one will know what the fuck Dark Matter is. Yeah, and it would be up to people like us to say, oh, no, it was an event back, you know, ten years ago that they spun out of, and you, you kind of need to read that. Yeah. They, uh, they talked a fair amount, uh, amount about those new books, too. You know, you got, uh, what is it, They're Totally Not Hulk Damage or, like, Devastator. <laughs> what the fuck is he called again? Uh, I, I don't Goddamn no. Big, big burly motherfucker who they swear is not the Hulk, but is totally a Hulk-like character. Yeah. Then, Grant Morrison is also going to be co-writing book. Yes, that's right, which, hey, you know, if you really want to give your new imprint a shot in the arm, that's how you do it. 
Yep. A lot of superstar writers, a lot of superstar artists there working on brand, completely new projects. Uh, Jeff Lemire talking a little bit more about the Terrifics, which of course is their totally legally distinct Fantastic Four book. <laughs> hey, hey, Marvel not giving you the book you want? Don't worry, we got it. Yeah, well, Marvel might be bringing back the Fantastic Four. That's the rumor, that's the talk. Yeah, you see Marvel had, like, a really, really great time at their, like, legacy panels and stuff where, like, they were saying, oh, Diamond, they've sold out all of the legacy books and then, like, comic owners are like, oh, I've still got heaps. I've got, like, a whole warehouse full of them. Yeah. They're not selling. <laughs> yeah, apparently, like, the Marvel retailer-only summit at New York Comic Con turned into a giant shit show as two, like, yeah. uh, store owners started hurling racist and homophobic shit at each other. I'm sure yeah, they felt yeah. awesome about that. Yeah. And again, you know, where it's like, the sad truth is, and we've mentioned this before on the show, I love comic stores, I love my local comic store, but they're going away. We will see the death of them in our lifetime. Digital is more convenient and just all around mm-hmm. better. It's the way of the future. And I feel a lot of what's holding back DC and Marvel is them, you know, like clinging to this very archaic direct market. Diamond Distributors has way too much control. And it's it's kind of like the coal industry is what it is, where it's like, no, we need to keep pushing this for as long <laughs> as we can, even if it makes no sense. We need to keep doing this. And, you know, all the story knows we will listen and follow whoever who tells us they can save us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, this new... Dark Matter, Universe, interesting. Milestone, definitely excited for Milestone, although not entirely excited by the fact that Reginald Hudlin looks like he's going to be writing the majority of these books. Oh, really? Yeah, like he, like he's obviously one of the dudes in charge. He's one of the dudes with like the actual Milestone connection and everything. Never thought he was that strong a writer. He, yeah, and especially if he's writing so many books at once. Yeah, that's another big issue there. I mean, I think probably the book everyone knows from Hudlin was his brief Black Panther run that they turned into that horrible BET Black Panther show. Yes, yes. Yeah, which was barely animation, if you could call it that. It was more or less flipping pages. So much to the point that animator uh, Aaron Magruder of the Boondocks dedicated a whole thing to just blasting and dunking on Hudlin. He created a character called Wedgie Hudlin, which was just to make fun of him. (laughs) <laughs> like seriously go back and watch that it's like wow man it's like Magruder really hates this guy <laughs> and now that guy brought you back Milestone or at least in part yeah so time will tell how that one goes uh, another story that came out and I'm going to have to turn this over to you Matt because I have no fucking clue what to say on this one uh, Weapon H is going to be getting an ongoing series from Marvel this is the guy from uh, Weapons of Mutant Destruction who, who the fuck is Mutant H and why should I care or Weapon H uh, Weapon H is the the Wolverine Hulk hybrid that was part right. of that D- WMD storyline, and he's interesting. But I don't think he warrants his own ongoing. Does, like I think they could get through his story in a couple of issues of Weapon X. Does he have a name or a backstory, or is he just Weapon H? Well, um, I think I'm like an issue behind, but like his backstory is like he was. He was like a, a soldier of part of like some private military group, mm-hmm. and that's sort of how he got into the whole Weapon X program and everything. And right. it's something that sounds really generic and probably doesn't require <laughs> its own ongoing. Right. But he's a Hulk and a Wolverine at the same time, because God <laughs> knows we don't have enough Wolverines at the moment. 
Now we're, we're going to have one for every team. Yeah, that's that's the thing now. This is the new marching order. 2017 will be the age of Wolverine at Marvel, where every team will finally have its own Wolverine, and every book will sell better because of it. <laughs> our studies show, our painstaking studies show, people love Wolverine, and teams with Wolverine on it sell better. <laughs> And so we're really betting the farm on this one. We had to create a couple new Wolverines, but we think you'll like the new Wolverine universe. Yeah, and we had to bring the old one back from the dead to fill in a gap. Man, we've had Spider-Verse, we've had Venom-Verse. How long will it be until we have Wolververse? I think we joked about that last episode. They're, they're, they're just going to base this whole event around them and and fighting each other or something. There's more than enough multiversal Wolverines. Some of them pretty damn interesting. You could very easily build an event around that. <laughs> I'm the ultimate Wolverine. Well, I'm X-23 Wolverine. Hey, I'm that like Wolverine who was in a relationship with Hercules and it was like the 1600s or something. <laughs> that was an interesting Wolverine. There's a, oh, ooh, I'm the weird, like, feral wolverine that has no nose and a bandana around his head. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of wolverines you could build. Oh, I'm the Age of Apocalypse wolverine. See? Writes itself. <laughs> ooh, and every issue could be a different variant cover showcasing a different wolverine. Oh, retailers are going to love that. Oh, of course they will. Every they... cover is a lenticular 3D pull-out cover. Oh, well, well, they need to be made of holographic metal because it is Wolverine. <laughs> you know, you turn it one way and, oh, his claws pop out. <laughs> I, again, like, th- there, Marvel, you say no events for, like, six, mo- or six months or whatever. There, that's your next event when it's all said and done. Well, they say no events, yet they keep ha- pushing events, except they, they, they're saying they're smaller events, like the Avengers Champions ones and they're everything like that. crossovers is what they are. <laughs> they're which, different. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess we really have to break down and talk about that, where it's like, what makes a crossover different from an event? I guess an event runs through everything that affects the whole universe, where a crossover just affects a couple books. Yeah, but even then, like, a crossover can affect the whole universe. You have events, you have crossovers, and then you also have crossover events. Cross events. Cross events. Like that Gotham Resistance we read, that was a crossover that took place within the borders of a bigger event. Yes, yes. That was literally a crossover event. And actually, you know, that's that's kind of perfect because with that, we've more or less reached the end of the news. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about and discuss from New York Comic Con, but we can jump into what we read this week and because i think my stage health is failing me now i'm gonna let matt talk about what he read he'll bring up the books and i will just discuss is what i'll do i'll bring up the books um well the first one i read was uh dawnbreaker the yes. the next uh metal tie-in for this batman the 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 green lantern batman mm-hmm. um pretty cool i i kind of enjoyed it i thought it was pretty cool again like the other ones it was very Bruce isn't a villain. He was just corrupted by power sort of yeah. thing. Um, very, very violent. Oh, yeah. Very violent. I, uh, it's funny. This was the first one I didn't actually love. I kind of called bullshit on quite a few things where it's like, oh, really? Bruce is so willful he's able to overclock and break the ring because no other Green Lantern in the history of this universe ever wanted to kill anyone and ever wanted to, you know, break the ring. But Bruce is so special. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the confines of the story, it had to happen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know it had to. And well, it's also one of those things too. Where it's like, if he was overcome with the will to murder, should he not have become like a Red Lantern or something? Oh, well, then you wouldn't have a Green Lantern analog, would you? Yeah. Well, we we 
you do see something infect the ring, probably the darkness from the dark universe or something right. um, that sort of changes the ring. It, it, the ring basically becomes a red lantern ring, basically, yeah. uh, with extra powers. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it was pretty cool. I like that he's like killing his villains, mm-hmm. like at, at the he's just fighting them and then he's like dropping them from the sky into pieces and and everything. And then he kills Gordon, which is totally brutal. Like that, oh, yeah. that is totally brutal. It's it's an interesting idea to explore to be like what would Bruce Wayne be like if he was given like ultimate power very early on in his career so he never had to travel and train and create a code of ethics or anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I said this is like the next step in all those land Batman gets a Green Lantern ring story, like because he never really has it for very long, and if he did, this is what would probably happen. Yeah, and to see him as like a boy hero too, where it's like he's only like a teenager. Mm-hmm. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. Also, also, too, they seem to be building up this idea where it's like Dr. Fate is running around in all these books trying to build a team and trying to save heroes from the Dark Knight. Yeah, well, we, we got some of that also in this week's Green Arrow, which we was did. the which was the ending of the Gotham Resistance. And he kind of hints that he's like kept taking all these heroes to the Tower of Fate and getting ready for like like an attack or something. Yeah. I, uh, which is pretty cool. I enjoyed that Green Arrow book. I, I really enjoyed Gotham Resistance as a whole, but I really didn't like how it sort of petered out at the end where it's like, yeah, that's yeah. the end of our adventure. Go read Dark Knight's Metal number three. And I'm like, oh yeah, fuck, you're only two issues into this event. Of course this couldn't have an actual conclusion. It's just setting the stage for other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Th- this issue as well like dumped like a whole heap of information about Batman, who lastly, like, what Barbados' goal is, is, yeah. is to, like, move the Earth into the Dark Universe so they have an Earth to live on, um, yeah. and stuff like that. But, yeah, it kind of petered out, especially when, like, it was kind of advertised as, like, we're going to see all these different villains affected by the metal, and we kind of only saw, like, two, three, yeah. maybe? Yeah, th- then they breeze through all the other ones. We, we yeah. catch a glimpse of Bane's in this one, but Bane's isn't nearly as interesting. His is just a fight world. His is just fight club. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like it's like a back alley brawling like <laughs> arena. He he doesn't even look different either. He still no. looks exactly like Bane. It's like really everyone else got a cool makeover, but Bane didn't seriously. Yeah, and same with like um Mad Hatter and everything. It's like oh, he got a card as well, but he's not important because he's crappy. Yeah, we'll just we'll just weave right past him is what we'll do. Yeah, uh, I, I will say if you're a fan of Damian Wayne, he actually walks away from that story with actually he's the only one who walks away with a complete arc. I wasn't expecting him to have such a strong uh, through line in these stories. Yeah, yeah, he had a big story arc in this one. Yeah, to where they actually end up defeating the Dark Robin. They defeat, like, his Dark Universe counterpart. Yeah, and in doing so, they find out what can destroy the metal people. Yes, apparently. The the Dark Universe people. Yeah, hey, wouldn't you know it, uh, they're empowered by the metal, and they're destroyed by the metal, too. Metal is the answer to everything. It is. It's all metal all the time. It's great because, like, Oliver Queen has a total, like, uh, predator mode where it's like, ah, if, if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> you know, we, we know what they're weak against now. Oh, fuck, but I only got one of these arrows, though. Shit. Okay, we're all going to have to share. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to kill all of them with my one arrow. No, no. It was funny, too, to have Damien, like, making fun of him. Like, I was raised by, like, the cult of assassins and everything there i think i'm a little better with a bow and arrow than you island man (laughs) 
look, seriously, kid, don't do not do this. It's, it's my one thing. Don't take my one thing from me. <laughs> once, once you start saying you're better at archery than me, people will start believing you. <laughs> I don't like that. What, uh, what else did you have, Matt? Um, well, we didn't talk about it in our news, but I actually did a little review sort of talking about it, and that's that's uh, Doomsday Clock, the, the Ashcan edition. Yes, they released, Just, what was it, like the first five black and white pages? Yeah, first five or six pages, and whew, it's off to a good start. Uh, were there words attached to this, or were they just pictures? Well, first they first Jeff Johns tweeted out the unlettered preview, and then I think after the the panel had finished, they did they released like the the lettered preview uh, on, online for people to to read. Uh, but it was pretty cool. Was, uh, you you didn't see the the lettered preview? Uh, I actively tried avoiding it, but because we're here and because <laughs> we're talking about it, tell me all about it. Yeah, so um, we obviously pick up right in the Watchmen universe. Um, I think about six or seven years after the events of Watchmen, after 1985, so we're in like 1992. Oh, shit. Um, which is funny. On the radio. It's funny because the date it takes place is actually the date Superman 75 came out, which oh. is which the story was called Doomsday. Holy shit. Yeah, and the death of Superman in that one. Um, it's like they planned this. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like they, they they thought of this out, and and Jeff Johns knew what he was doing. <laughs> um, but uh, apparently, Adrian Veidt, Ozymandias has been ousted as the one who was responsible for uh, like three million deaths when that magical alien invasion thing happened and world peace happened. Right. There's no world long. peace anymore. Yeah, there's no world peace anymore. Everyone's rioting, well, going fuck. like <laughs> breaking into his building and everything. He's gone missing. No one knows where he is. He's not. He's not at that um, uh, that ice fortress of solitude hangout that he has no, called cool Karnak. Ass, yeah, it's cool ass pyramid. Yeah, but apparently he might have a brain tumor. Oh, because because a bunch of people find like a a um, uh, was it an X-ray with like a with like a blob in his brain or something. Oh. Don't know what, what the hell it is. Um, but what's interesting is like the world is like with that news coming out with the Rorschach's journal being published, um, yeah. published and everything, the world's gone completely shit. Russia invades Poland. There's <laughs> nuclear war on the brink, everything. <laughs> the vice president big. takes people hostage. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, which I found funny because he's doing that while the president's away golfing. I wonder who that could be a reference to. <laughs> Jeez, Matt, I don't know. I mean, I don't think this story's topical or anything, man. I think this all feels this all feels much too real. I, I don't see how this is fantastical. <laughs> but everyone's talking about the ending of this issue, which um, sees prisoners trying to escape a prison because of the impending nuclear. Uh, war and um, apparently Rorschach <laughs> is still alive. Oh well, uh, and he, he he doesn't want to free any of the prisoners because they deserve to rot in hell. <laughs> of course, uh, you're stuck in here with me. <laughs> yeah, and apparently he's been the narrator through this whole story. Oh shit! Yeah, now obviously it's not Walter Kovacs because he got blown apart by Doctor Manhattan yeah. on page. It wasn't an off it, off page death. It was. On page in color. It was legit. <laughs> it was so. It's probably someone else who's taken up his mantle after learning of of that diary. Interesting. Very interesting. 
yeah, it, I don't know where they're going to go from there. But apparently, that's like the first seven page. That's like how the issues are going to open. So then it's not something that's going to be, you know, issue nine or anything. This is how they're opening in the Watchmen universe. It's uh, it's funny, too. Like, what is it, Jeff Jones, when he was talking about this and he was selling Doomsday Clock, he's like, yeah, you know, it's it's serious. And, you know, we wanted to show, like, you know, our respect in doing a sequel to, you know, this beloved comic work. But we're also not afraid to work humor in there because it is reflective of real life. Funny stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, I found that, found that funny because after the... um. The panel. Um, someone asked Dave Gibbons, the tr- uh, the guy who did the art on the original Watchmen book. Right. They asked him if he was going to read it, and he's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know him and Moore are both like equally salty. <laughs> no, man, I really, really hope with his Doomsday Clock thing. I hope Alan Moore pokes his head out of his magic cave at some point to say something. I really do. <laughs> I, I do as well. I hope he does. I really hope he does. Between that and like the Watchmen HBO show, oh, could, could I have a walk on? <laughs> I, I would like very much to show up in it. He can be. He can just be like some random hobo carrying the Ender's Nia sign. <laughs> he, he can be the. He already new, does that. He does. You know, he can be the newspaper guy in this, where the kids like reading tales of the Black Freighter. Alan Moore can be the newspaper <laughs> guy. He gives him a comic. He's like, "Oh, comics! You know, it's all bullshit, right?" <laughs> it's funny because Jeff Johns actually mentioned the Black Freighter, and he says that that's not coming back, but they have something similar. Interesting. Ha- happening in the book, which, yeah, that, I don't know what it could be. That'd be really cool. It'd be cool if it was like, whereas the Black Freighter was like the Watchmen universe, it'd be cool if it was one that, like a comic that takes place in the DC universe. Yeah. Some kid reading a comic in the DC universe. That would be fun. That would be interesting. It'll be, uh, what is it? It'll be like Marvel Man or some bullshit. <laughs> something crazy like yeah. that. Or no, yeah. it'll be the Fawcett comic universe and they'll be reading actual oh. Captain Marvel, not Shazam. Oh, that's how he's coming back. That's how he comes back in the pages of this story. No one saw it coming. <laughs> where it's like, geez, where is Captain Marvel gone? Oh, he went back to the Fawcett universe. Shit, we forgot he technically wasn't from here. Yeah. Did Did you end up? Did you watch the live stream? No, I didn't actually. I meant to, but I got sidetracked. There was a guy there who asked a question, and it was just so funny because he. He was. He asked if there's going to be anything crazy like Cap turning to Hydra in this. I'm like, that's crazy for a comic fan. What? Yeah, I did what? hear that. That was pretty funny. I like that. What? That's crazy. That's not crazy. That's just, <laughs> that's just another day at the office. <laughs> Fans think that's crazy now, man. That series is a number of people. Yeah, really. That was that was funny. Good, good old Jeff Johns, man. You know, he never gets credit for, it, but the dude, the dude's fast on the mic. He's sharp on it. Oh yeah, he is. Can't can't throw that guy, I tell you. Yeah. What uh, what else did you have? What else were you reading? Uh, uh I had uh, Avengers issue six hundred and seventy two. I read this one as well. Technically, one of the first shots fired in the new legacy era of books. Yeah, it it, it was all right. I I kind of hope that I kind of got like the like a hero versus hero thing from this book and I kind of hope that's not where it's going because I don't want another hero versus hero civil war no, no, four no. or five or something happening they, uh, um, but they seem to be teasing it but I think they're going to swerve us ultimately yeah but champions came off as kind of dicks this, this issue did they? I didn't it, feel that way I did I, I, they, they weren't working very like they, they came in already hostile to the Avengers like you're older you're old people we don't like you. Well, we, it, we made the team because of you. 
Well, it's funny, but by the end of the same issue, they're like, oh, hey, at least three of us were Avengers like a year ago, and Nadia Pym is young, and she's on the Avengers. Man, when we work together, we actually get a lot done, don't we? Yeah, they, they kind, of, kind of sort things out at the end, but I kind of feel like there's probably going to be something, some conflict between them throughout the whole series. I'm sure the counter, what is it, the high evolutionary will, like, you know, control their minds or, you know, do something to fuck with them so they fight for at least one issue. Yeah, I hope they don't because the story of like the the Earth that's on the other side of the moon, which I think is actually like a DC thing, or or was at one point there was like an like new Krypton on the other side of the the, the sun or something. Um, I hope that that doesn't take a backseat because that's a pretty cool story. It's, I mean, it's popular science fiction and it's something Marvel's done a lot for Counter Earth. I thought it was funny that a bunch of the younger characters are like, "What oh, really Counter Earth? An Earth you know that we can't see <laughs> that's on the other side? So that's scientifically impossible." And all the older heroes are like, "Yeah, we know it's silly, but trust us, most of us have been there." <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've actually been there, and the the guy living there is kind of a dick. <laughs> He's a giant dick with his animal men. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him and his stupid animal things. Loved the art for this one. This was Jesus mm. Saez who's doing this. Man, his colors are really good. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I'm going to miss Mike Del Mundo, though. Yeah. I liked his art a lot. I but, liked him, but too. But this art, this art was very similar to that. It is very it is very deserving of a AAA book, I think. I think it looks really nice. Yeah. It was cool, too, getting to see all the heroes kind of work uh, together and pair off in teams and kind of, like, just stop a natural disaster. I'm a real sucker for heroes stopping natural disasters. Yeah, it wasn't some big villain yet. Yeah, yet, but, I mean, hey, fire-breathing minotaurs. <laughs> some some great callbacks, too, where it's like when Hercules meets the champions, he's like, ah, oh, yes, champions, good name. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Hercules was on the original champions team, that's why. Yeah, yeah, and he calls them Junior Varsity. Junior Varsity team, or also when he's hanging out with Amadeus Cho, I'm like, oh yeah, they had a book together, they hung out for a bit. Yeah, that's that's nice, I like that. Yeah, they kind of know each other. They know each other, that's that's cool. That is legacy, I like that. Yeah. That is good. Uh, what uh, what else did you have going on? Oh, let, let's talk about the shit show that was Batman issue 32. Oh, yeah, fuck. I, I reviewed this early in the week and then put it out of my mind. <laughs> I tried to review it as early as I possibly could. <laughs> Same. I mean, what can you say about it? Oh, most anticlimactic story I've ever read in a long time. Yeah. I think I think the line that truly sums up that issue is the Riddler talking to Batman, getting mad at him for interrupting him talking to the Joker. He's like, not every story is about you. And I'm like, oh, is is this just Tom King talking to the reader now, being like, look, not every story can be about Batman, right? I wanted to talk about Kite Man also. It, 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 is, it is him just talking to... He, he forgot to, like... He, it would have been him in there in the art if it wasn't if it wasn't Riddler. If it wasn't coming out of Riddler, <laughs> it would have been coming out of him. Because literally, for the bulk of this issue, Batman just sits around slackjawed. Oh, I'm angry now. I'm a, I'm gonna stab the Riddler. I'm gonna try and kill him now. Oh no, Joker, stop me. The one line that I felt that was so out of place was like he asked like he asked Joker like, oh, what do you think? Was that joke funny? Like, what the fuck? Who? What the hell? That's so out of character. And the fact... He, Batman wouldn't carry... I don't give a shit. Punch. And that Riddler did all this because he's bored, where it's like, oh, you know, I wanted to solve the greatest riddle of all, and that is what can make the Joker who doesn't laugh, laugh. Even though, why does Riddler care? Because this is like a year 
into like Joker's creation. He hasn't been around that long. He's not like this crazy urban legend yet. So why does Riddler give a fuck? Again, that's what you get for setting the story in the past. Story should have been set now. Yes, it would have made more sense if it was set now. And and kind of up the stakes a little bit as well on these characters. It's it's also funny too because it's like you know oh we got a three way standoff Joker Riddler and Batman oh they get into a big fight. Batman, world's greatest martial artist, can't take out ninety pound dudes in suits. <laughs> he just he just can't do it. He just get they're just too much for him. Yeah, and apparent apparently like like Riddler's reasoning was also too much room because he tries to kill the Riddler for it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm angry now. Which again is just like that's that's a pretty heavy retcon right there to say oh early in his career Batman tried to kill somebody only for the Joker to save him. If so, why did the Joker never think to bring that up ever again in any of their meetings or confrontations if this was so important? Joker would hold that over Batman forever. Yeah, of course he would. But um, no, it's never seen it. And same with like like Riddler. Riddler yeah. like never brings it up again anymore. And like that's that's like a big thing. Yeah, you would think that would be really important and that they would mention it. It's it's also even more hilarious, too, because as I keep saying, you know, the whole framing device of this story is Batman is telling the story to Catwoman, even though Catwoman was literally there for everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, he could have started the story right here at this issue, and that would have been enough. But then again, you wouldn't have had a whole summer's worth of lead-up, and you wouldn't have had two side stories to focus on Kite Man. Yeah, and and then and then she even says like, ah, who cares? Yeah, eh. yeah, and, and I think that's pretty much what everyone said while reading this book. Who cares about this arc? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> eh, whatever. At least it's over. Yeah, well, I think I think I read somewhere that like the next arc is is literally like seventeen issues long. Oh Jesus Christ! Like like a like it's a really long book. It's probably not seventeen, but like. It's, it's fairly long, and I'm like, God damn it. Well, it's Batman needing to come out to his friends and family now and say, I'm marrying Catwoman, only for everyone else, I'm sure, to say, that's a terrible idea. Don't do it. Yeah, this story's not going to matter in, like, a year. <laughs> everyone kept asking me that, too, when it came out. Like, oh, what do you think the ripple effects this is going to have for, you know, the Batman universe? How do you think the DC universe is going to take? And I'm like, uh, if they take it at all, this might just exist in the pages of Tom King's book. It'll matter if other writers start referencing it. Well, well that's the thing. Like, everything Tom King has done recently only really exists in his books. It, yeah. Like, it's not referenced in anything else. It's true. It really is. It's so very, yeah, it, it it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's very weird. It's funny too. It's like once again they come back to this idea where it's like Batman asked the Joker, "Why? Why did you do it? Why did you stop me from killing him?" And the Joker says, "Oh, I'll tell you when you can tell me the difference between a Joker or a Riddle." And Batman can't do it. And I'm like, the fucking dictionary, man. They're two diametrically opposed things. I don't know how Tom King got it into his head that a joke and a riddle are the same. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, he's meant to, Batman's meant to be really smart. Yeah. He would have, like, figured it out straight away. But no, it took him, like, what? How, how many years between that story and, like, Selena telling him the answer? Uh, very, like very five exciting. five years or something? At the very least. But yeah, it's like, a riddle is supposed to be like a puzzle supposed to be like a brain teaser, like a logic thing. And yeah, sometimes they have like stupid corny answers, but that is essentially at the heart of it what a riddle is supposed to be. A joke is a gag. It's supposed to make you laugh. It's supposed to be funny. It's got to set up a punchline and a payoff. 
They are so different. Why did Tom King write a whole story about how, oh, we really, when you think about it, a joke and a riddle are the same? They're really not. I don't, I don't get it. I oh really don't. Uh-huh. And again, it brings back to that thing from like the first, uh, when they were first talking about this story, where it's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, jokes, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're chaotic and, you know, riddles, you know, they're very structured and ordered. And I'm like, not always. I know plenty of comedians where their comedy is laser focused and structured and logical and I know plenty of jokes or I know plenty of riddles where the answer just comes out of left field and is completely chaotic and makes no sense (laughs) so again I don't buy your whole order versus chaos thing (laughs) also too there's been long stretches of time in the Riddler's life as a character where he's been shown to be very chaotic and very Joker-esque yeah, yeah. Especially like, like like in Metal recently, when he was in Metal, that was a very... He even had paint on his face. He did. Also, too, Tom King, why does your Riddler in the past not look like any other Riddler ever? What changed for him that he started looking like an Irish do- dock worker who's all, like, you know, built and all a clockwork orange to being, like, a 90-pound weakling nerd? What what happened? Yeah. And, then, and then again, back in Metal, he goes back to being a 90-pound weakling. Yes, within the span of like five years, what what happened? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, also, how did the Riddler go from basically being one of the most powerful people in Gotham City, being like essentially the first real supervillain he ever battled, to being like a lower tier villain? What's what's up with that? Yeah, we're not going to learn about that unless a new writer comes in and says that's an interesting story. I'm going to tell that. Tries to fill in the blanks. Yeah, war jokes and riddles ultimately not worth it. I hope he does better with the next one. I mean, this is just kind of the cycle for me and Tom King Batman stories. I maybe only like every other one. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, Tom King's a really good writer, but not with Batman. Yes, his Batman is very strange. Again, I think at the end of the day, I think Tom King secretly doesn't like Batman, and this is one long, protracted, practical joke for him to stealthily take the piss out of Batman. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's, like, something that, like, I'm, I can write anything and the fanboys will love it no matter what because batman i'm gonna write the shittiest like event story with joker and riddler and and people will just automatically love it or i will go out of my way to you know write a story that seems smart on paper because i've written lots of smart stories before but it won't be smart and people will argue online forever about whether or not it was smart (laughs) i am an evil genius (laughs) yeah man tom king the greatest dc villain (laughs) <laughs> maybe he's running like cause he used to work for like CIA eh? he did yeah, like yeah he's, maybe it's like some like mind experiment he, he's oh, still working for them oh, and, and he's, he's doing some like psychotropic mind experiment oh, or something this this is all part of some deep cover CIA <laughs> project to study the nerd fraternity and see if their rage can be weaponized <laughs> god damn it you, you won again Tom King you won again <laughs> Although, maybe that's the thing, too. Maybe Tom King's like, no, man, I worked in the CIA. You know, I, I was there in the deep shit. I'm a real hero. Batman ain't shit. <laughs> I, I'm a real Batman. Ba- yeah, Batman ain't shit. Yeah, Batman, Batman is a psychotic rich boy in pajamas who beats up the mentally ill. <laughs> These other heroes, I tell Kite Man's a hero. Kite Man's a hero because he never gives up. That's why. <laughs> Even though he sucks and his name is Kite Man, he never gives up. 
<laughs> Which I think that was ultimately the takeaway of the Kite Man story in that is that that was Tom King's big thesis on why he felt Kite Man was better and more interesting than Batman. Yeah, well, yeah, Kite Man was kind of like the only one with a consistent character arc in that. But even then they went back on that because he's still like a villain and still like like terrorizing the city but batman stops him i guess that goes with the whole he never gives up thing but i guess apparently yeah. a brain damaged villain who in the future can only say kite man hell yeah kite man <laughs> he's a pokemon <laughs> kite man he can only answer questions in kite and man and hell yeah you see that war really did a number on him it really man just me see now i feel even badder for kite man he's suffering from ptsd <laughs> someone help this poor man uh, what what else did you have? Uh, I had Superman issue thirty two. I didn't read this one yet because the previous issue was such a stinker. I enjoyed this one. It, it's the ending of um, this little two part arc, and this one was Superman and Deathstroke did battle, but it was more a battle of ideologies. Mm, interesting. As um, we find out that Lois was never the target of Deathstroke. Mm. It was Superman. And it was because Amanda Waller was trying to test him, seeing if he would break his moral code. Um, and to do that, Deathstroke went after Lois Lane because they they know Superman cares for her. Right. They don't know Superman's Clark Kent and they're married. They know Superman cares for Lois. Right, right. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and he does a really cool thing where it's like you got you put out the fire or you can save Lois. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Superman, he does the things, and not going to kill you, um, you know, just let her go, that sort of thing. And it, he, Deathstroke was never going to kill her anyway, because it was all a test. Interesting. And, 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 and Waller isn't happy that Superman didn't break his code. <laughs> Damn it, why can't everyone be evil and shitty like me? But she knows now how to apply the necessary pressure when, he, when she needs it. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Waller versus Superman, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't know what story that's building towards since we're going, I think, from Imperius Lex into Doomsday Clock. Oh. So, put I don't on. know, maybe maybe Waller's in Doomsday Clock. Yeah, put it on the back burner. There's all sorts of interesting stuff you could do. Yeah, and it was really cool as well because the, the actual fight between Deathstroke and Superman, the actual physical fight, didn't end very well for Deathstroke. And it was like it was like a real fight. They they didn't like say like, Oh, you could fight Superman to a standstill. It's like Superman's right. like, Oh, I'll just break your icon suit and take your flame stick. What are you gonna do now? Well it's funny, like in the Deathstroke book when him and Superman fought, Deathstroke only won because he cheated and tricked him. He like spray painted a bunch of rocks, kryptonite green, and threw them at him. <laughs> Just so he could run away, Superman was like, "Oh, Kryptonite! Oh, damn it, he got me." Which I, I didn't, I didn't like that many because, like, that's not how Kryptonite works. No, yeah, it Superman would sick. feel the Superman would feel the effects before seeing the rock. Yeah, it makes him sick right away. <laughs> it's like, hey, you just spray painted rocks, jerk. <laughs> I know you. I know you're gay. That's one of my other powers: spray paint senses. <laughs> right there with my rainbow hand powers and all my other Superman abilities I don't use anymore from the golden age. <laughs> Super Kinesis, yeah, I got that too. I just don't tell anyone about it. <laughs> I can throw my voice and make it sound like someone else. <laughs> hey, remember my solar flare ability? Remember when I used to be able to do that? Hey, remember when it killed me? <laughs> yeah, oh man, that was unfortunate. But then I fused with my dead self and then everything was better. 
<laughs> that was crazy. That was great, man. I've I've led a crazy life, I tell you. <laughs> man, I mean, my life, jeez. <laughs> I I also have the Deathstroke book from this week. I didn't get a chance to read it yet, though, but it continues to be interesting. What uh, what else was on your list there, Matt? Um, you read uh, Batman White Knight yet? Yes, yes, I did. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. Very, very good Elseworlds setup. Yeah, I, it definitely went away. I, I didn't really expect it to go. I didn't, I didn't read any of like previews or anything. I just know that it was about um, Joker becoming Jack Napier again and yes. sort his, of fighting. His movie counterpart. Yeah, the, the first time he's been in a comic that isn't Batman comic adaptation of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I like that Batman's kind of he's kind of gone off the deep end a little bit, even so much so that like his partners think he's gone off the deep end. He's this is Frank Miller's the goddamn Batman is what this is. Yeah, really, and and we kind of find out that's because Alfred has McGregor syndrome yes, or something. That's right. They worked fucking McGregor. <laughs> All the movie shit they're working in. They worked in Jack Napier, and now they worked in McGregor syndrome. <laughs> It's not stated that it is, but it is. It's so clearly McGregor's syndrome. I uh, I like the redesign work on everyone. Batman's kind of got a new costume with a big belt. Nightwing's got like this biker thing going on. Uh, so does Batgirl. Yeah, I like the um the Batmobile as well. Yes, yeah, Batmobile looks Batmobile. really cool. Yeah, that's th- this is what I like about Elseworlds, where it's like, hey, let's just freaking reinvent the wheel on all this shit. Yeah, and it, it was pretty cool. I, I like that it, it focused a lot of time on on Jack setting up a case to, to take down Batman and, and the and GCPD and the city and everything. Like, he's trying to do things the right way. And it's like, hell, a lot of the points that, like, Jack Napier tries to make are, like, things comic fans have joked about forever, and that is how yeah. can Gordon and the GCPD claim to be hard on crime and corruption when they're totally cool with a vigilante breaking the laws every day? Yeah, and and this, this book seems to kind of answer those questions like what would happen if if someone actually thought about them and decided to take him to court yeah the answer is they wouldn't have a prayer because they're like yeah yeah he's got (laughs) us he really has us (laughs) now they also play like fast and loose with some rules too they're like well the joker in this world has like never been found guilty of killing anyone either because they couldn't find the evidence or he kept getting acquitted for like you know reasons of mental defect or insanity or anything Mm mm-hmm so he's actually better at mounting a defense than you'd think he would be. Yeah, yeah. And even his reasoning of being like, hey, look, I, I love Gotham too and everything, and the fact is it will never get better if you keep relying on, you know, like Dark Knights and Shades of Grey. You know, we need a White Knight in this city, and that's going to be me. Yeah, and I, I vote vote for vote for Jack for yeah. city mayor. <laughs> a vote for Jack <laughs> is a vote for America. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, they're playing with this idea, too, where it's like, has he really reformed, or is this just, like, a big, long con that he's playing? That's what I think it is. I said that in my reviews, like, is by the end of the series, is he going to return to being the Joker? He's going to have with the green hair and everything, and it's all going to be, be be a big joke. Yeah, we see we see a woman, uh, what is it, in red with uh, with blonde hair taking videos, where it's like, oh, is that Harley Quinn? Is that this universe's Harley Quinn? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a, there's a lot of interesting places this book can go, and I think it's going to be... I think it's short. I think it's only, like, five issues or something. It's eight. Oh, is it? Okay, so it's longer. Than, it's, it's not a mini-series. It's a maxi-series. Yeah. 
Either way, though, that should be good. Yeah, I like this first one. Really, really beautiful looking there. You know, some really cool pictures in this one. And, I mean, even if you didn't buy the book this week, you probably saw five pages from it because they put it in the back of, like, every oh, comic that came out this week. That was so annoying. That was so annoying. Because when you and I are trying to make thumbnails for our videos, we'll go too far and be like, ah, fuck, that's White Knight. I don't want that. <laughs> no, but, yeah, it was really cool. I'm actually really excited for this as well as uh, the writer and artist on this book, Sean Murphy, he's teaming up with Scott Snyder for Scott's last Batman book in a while. That's right, um, The Last Night. Yeah, which actually also sounds really cool. He compared it to Lone Wolf and Cub. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. He he says he's doing one last Batman story, but he's <laughs> lied before. Well, he said one last Batman story for a while. Oh, well, there you go. So he's probably going to go work on something else. There you go. That's his way out. I'd love to see him go back to Swamp Thing. That'd be fun. Yeah, or do a character he hasn't done. Yeah. Yeah, do like a Wonder Woman or something. Yeah, World's His Oyster. I'm sure he could write his own check from here on out for any project yeah. he wants. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, White, uh, White Knight was cool and interesting. There was another mini that came out this week, uh, Platoon, Punisher. Yeah, I, I read this one. I thought it was pretty cool. Very, very classic Garth Ennis war story. The dude loves his war stories, he loves war jargon, and he loves the Punisher. Mm, this was the, the framing for this issue was pretty cool as well it was yeah we see kilo squad frank castle's old army buddies brought together by a journalist yeah and they talk about how how kind of hard-ass frank was but bombing cities so his men doesn't get shot don't get now. shot or anything <laughs> And being like, and this was Frank when he was just starting, when he was new and untouched <laughs> before the Punisher was even a glint in his eye. Yeah, so he was already kind of kind of fucked up. Which is an idea they've played around with a lot, even like from Jason Aaron's Punisher Max onward, where it's like, look, even if Punisher's family wasn't murdered, he'd still be going around shooting people. The gimmick might be different, but he was always a stone killer. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. Uh, also, too, they kind of give Frank an interesting new nemesis in, like, a female Viet Cong sniper who, like, she kind of becomes Ahab and uh, he's her white whale. And everyone's like, no, 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 just calm down. The Tet Offensive is coming soon. Just, you know, keep keep your head down and we'll win and it'll all be good. And she's like, nope, nope, going back, killing again. Yeah, yeah. They, the, the Viet Cong kind of all, like, heard about him. I had heard about Frank Castle and they, they kind of got someone to, like, sort him out, but... I don't know where that's going to go. She's, he's obviously going to kill her. Yeah, of course. Or, or maybe not. Maybe he won't because he's not Punisher yet. Not yet. It's yeah. like, actually, in a, what is it? In the Val I can't remember if it was the Valley Forge or Born, but in one of those Garth Ennis Vietnam stories, he, he actually does end up killing, what is it, like a female VC sniper. I wonder if that's the same woman or not. Yeah, well, well they're both the exact same, like, female sniper maybe possibly i don't know i guess we'll see or maybe maybe garth ennis just really loves that character archetype <laughs> <laughs> but yeah th that one was interesting uh youtube doesn't seem to be in love with it I, it's funny i guess like punisher is super niche and punisher in the military is even more niche because i looked at the numbers on that one and i'm like fuck thought this one would do a lot better apparently not yeah it's kind of why i didn't review it also too it's one of those things where obviously YouTube's got their demonetization bots, which hate just about everything, but what they really hate is you talking about the demonetization bots. Yeah. They, they actually, they, they copped one of, my, one of my Royals review, and I'm like, what the fuck? What, why isn't this suitable for everyone? And I actually actually requested a review, and within like two hours, it got 
re-monetize. I'm like, what? Yeah. Do, they're doing their job? What? Yes, I know, right? It's like, Jesus Christ, YouTube, you have a whole review process now where I can send this to an actual person to look at it. Maybe if you had started with this, you wouldn't need this. The problem, though, with that, they have like a little thing down the bottom that says videos will only be manually reviewed if they have over a thousand views. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I just posted the video. It's not going to have a thousand views. So I was really surprised that it actually got re-monetized. It also really fucks over all the new up-and-coming talent where it's like, hey, mm -hmm. guess what? You're not going to be able to make any money for a long time. Yeah. So fuck you. And uh, also, too, we're, we're not even playing fairly because Jimmy Kimball and all, like, the uploads of the nighttime talk shows and everything, uh, they don't have to play by the same rules. No, no, they, they get their ads, like, they, they get ads, whereas people talking about, you know, fundraising money for Las Vegas, the, the Las yeah. Vegas shooting, don't get any ads. No. And even, even when they say those, the ad revenue will be going towards that. Yep. Because uh, we're YouTube and we have a very, very broad and very vague definition of controversial. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's news from YouTube, everybody. But back to comics. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Um, uh, the last comic I read for this week for now uh, was Green Lantern's issue 32. Oh yes, uh, I saw you just upload this soon. The quest for pancakes. Tell me about pancakes. Mm. Uh, th this was a, uh, a breather issue. Uh, for the Green Lanterns after they've done their time travel thing. They, they come home and they want pancakes. But <laughs> Who doesn't? They can't, they can't get pancakes because Justice League, Justice League Green Lantern work gets in the way. Um, and then Simon takes Jessica to one of his house parties, one of his family's house parties. And because Jessica has social anxiety, she doesn't like it until she uh, kind of gets on a sugar high with... <laughs> with Simon's family and friends and um, Simon has to work shit out with his best friend who both of them used to dress up like Backstreet Boys. Yes, I saw you post that panel there where it's like, yes, yeah, Simon Baz used to be a Backstreet Boy. <laughs> I thought that was really funny but it was just a really nice issue just kind of fun and light. It wasn't heavy on plot or anything, yeah. just them trying to get pancakes and Trying to trying to be friends. I I love Green Lanterns when it started. I really got a hop back in soon because Sam Humphreys and Tim Seeley are going to be trading books. Yeah, they're going to be switching. So I want to continue to what is it there? Boost Tim Seeley as I am a fan. Yeah, it's a really good book at the moment. So I'm interested to see what he's going to do once he gets on the book. Yeah, most definitely. So yeah, I mean, everyone with Matt's last comic, I guess that'll do it for the show. Sorry I wasn't my regular high-energy self there. Sorry we didn't get a chance to talk about more books. But like I said, I'm drowning in my own head fluids over here. <laughs> Which sucks. So uh, with that, everyone, I guess we can begin to start uh, bringing it down for this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, favorite, do all that other social media jazz. Uh, check Matt's channel out over at Fortress of Solitude. Be sure to follow us both on Twitter. Uh, if you're looking to save a bundle on your next comic book trade purchase, you want to buy any of the books we talked about, uh, both Matt and I have book depository links down in the description. Check those out. And be sure to buy them in mass, because it's the only way Matt and I see any money from it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't just buy one book. You get, like, ten cents. Yeah, buy buy all your books from there. Every time you got to buy a trade, be like, hmm, where am I going to buy a trade from? You should really buy from book depository. Not only do you get a great deal, but you don't pay a thing for shipping and handling. It's literally Matt and mine's favorite place to buy books from yeah and the, the best thing as well 
is that they, they support multiple currencies. So you're not buying something like like me. If I was to buy something online, it's usually in US. I can buy it in Australian dollars. Exactly. So, so it's even cheaper. Everybody wins. They're a great service. I wouldn't shell out for them if I didn't honestly think they were great, and I do. And if yeah. I say book depository enough times, maybe they'll maybe they'll give me something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll name the episode book depository. <laughs> oh man, there you go. <laughs> oh, you doesn't. We'll have a running Chiron, which is bookdepository.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, uh, YouTube doesn't like the title book depository. That's controversial, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Look, b- books have words in them, and words can be controversial. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, words can be deadly. Words can be deadly. W- w- what a thrill! Words that kill. I need to ban all assault words. <laughs> all assault words. Jesus Christ! Look, look. We're not going to ban all the assault words, but you should really only be able to have one that has six letters in it. Is all we're saying. <laughs> and no silences. No, no silencers for your words, because then we can't hear your words. and on that note everyone i think we can officially bring the show to a close i've been joel i'm matt this has been the comic multiverse and we'll see you all next time bye-bye bye bye